to getting into good trouble. Where trouble goes, we follow. We're your hosts. I'm Harris. I'm Sarah. Today, we're going to be diving deep into the Amazon protests worldwide. We came to a point in our research in which we needed input from an expert. So we decided to interview Casper Gelderblom, who was a visiting professor at Harvard and a prominent activist in the Make Amazon Pay movement. He is also a member of the European Union Institute. Throughout the podcast, we'll put in clips from our interview and also reference our discussion. The rebellion against Amazon targeted 13 UK sites. It was to draw attention to the exploitation of Amazon's workers and wasteful business practices. Amazon responded by saying they they are taking their responsibilities very seriously. Amazon had blocked all their entrances at their warehouse with bamboo structures, locks, and banners, and planned to stay there for 48 hours. Although most of the blockades were cleared by mid-afternoon, this protest started at 4 p.m. at the Dunfermline warehouse, where about 20 activists stopped deliveries, entering the site and some from leaving. On Black Friday, the protests hit multiple places worldwide, however, primarily focused in Europe. A spokesman had said that they were protesting because they want to cause attention to Amazon's exploitative and environmentally destructive business practices, disregard from workers' rights in the name of company profits, as well as the wastefulness of Black Friday. These were all nonviolent protests. Taylor, what do you know about the working environment? I did a lot of research on the website Open Door, which is a job application site that lets you leave reviews on the companies and take into consideration these are real people and be patient with their comments, but um, a lot of the ones that stood out were just the, dis- the disconnect between management um, and the lack of communication between the management and the workers was a really big deal that was consistently noted throughout all of the comments. And um, I actually have a quote about um, pay and um, how unfair it is. And it says, since Amazon is such a large company, a large portion of the pay is composed in stocks. I was promised in my hiring contract that I would start earning my portion of stocks on the one year anniversary. Little did I know in reality, it takes two years for you to start earning enough money for your like salary and stuff. So there is a um, frustrating pay than what they promise you. Like um, one another comment says that you might start at, at twenty one dollars, but it will go down. And like now they make fifteen dollars, which is not fair at all. Um, they talk a lot about the tedious long hours and just the pressures of the everyday life um, and working in the factories and stuff. Um, they talk about how holiday season just equals hell. Like it is so chaotic. They have double their orders. It's awful. And they put a lot more hours on you. I read another thing that said they have to work extra um, and they have to work every Saturday for, and like out of their work schedule and don't even get paid that much more. Um, and also it's really hard to get promoted. They said, you, you. another person said, you can be there forever. It just depends on how much you want to suck up to the management and be their lap dog, which I thought was funny because like it, it's not even like your position. Like it's really hard to move up in the ranks. The whole system is made for you to go in and out within a year. And um, they put you in a position where you only want to be there for a short amount of time so they can filter out um, what they consider the week. To jump off of what Taylor said, Amazon's like training program that she just mentioned, it's called Focus, is basically where if an employee is like noticed to not be as productive as other members, they basically go and like kind of like through a training program or like, hey, this is how you can improve these skills. But in a way, it can be good and bad. It's good because you're learning these skills, but bad because it's it's like Amazon just wants to fire people because they have a firing quota of 6%. They want to get rid of the last 6% and they're just taking advantage of people's labor. The New York Times wrote an article about mid this year 
about the way Amazon treats their workers and the employees and corporations' response. Amazon's response to these protests and uh, workers speaking out on their stories and experiences has been that all of these problems are outliers and the majority of the workers at Amazon are happy and are enjoying their time as an Amazon employee. Amazon claims that a big part of why they have a bad worker environment right now is because of COVID. They lowered the pay of their workers from $22 to 15, and then they continued to say that the they continued to say that the managers of the factories have not made deep connections with their employees because of COVID and the restrictions. Over the pandemic, Amazon's profits increased by over 220%, which is really interesting if you look at is this a good or a bad thing? Obviously, increasing profits good, but at what cost to the employees was this? Right. So as we mentioned earlier, um, you know, payment for most warehouse workers actually dropped by a very significant amount, and Amazon, you know, blamed this on the pandemic. However, that it doesn't that doesn't really make sense for them to drop, um, you know, wages if their profit margins and, you know, overall profits increase so much. And, you know, that's very counterintuitive because if their profits went up, then why do they have to, you know, decrease wages? And, you know, especially why would they decrease wages when, you know, during the pandemic, a lot more people are ordering things online. So workload has increased for people in warehouses and it's increased from a place that was already unmanageable for the, you know, average warehouse worker, right? It's um, by the reports that Taylor read off, it's not a good place to be working. It's high demand, it's constant, and, you know, um, overtime's mandatory, right? It, it's just, a, it's constantly doing all this work and for it to increase over the pandemic and their wages to go down, it's it's just very counterintuitive while they're making all this extra money. Yeah, and the fact that um, all their employees are having to work overtime and the wages are being cut down, they have like two breaks um, and like a few bathroom breaks. And um, I read from Times Magazine that a lot of the protests were actually about humans being treated as robots because the human body cannot take all that working and stress. That's a fascinating quote. I saw the article as well. The protesters were all, like you said, holding up signs that said, we're humans, not robots. And I feel like that's just, it's a really good take on how workers at Amazon are being treated. They have these inhuman expectations that only, like, like, literally inhuman super it takes superpowers to be able to do and meet the expectations of what amazon wants like amazon is seemingly set up for worker burnout they know like as a person you're not a person to them you are replaceable you are an employee and there are so many other people that can instantly replace you and you can lose your job in the blink of an eye um some of the workers even talked about how after work they would just go home and collapse without eating or getting time for themselves just to like be a human and have extra time outside of work and engage in social events and friendly get-togethers because they're so exhausted um, a few other people said that they were on their feet so much they couldn't sit down that their feet started feeling like they were walking on pins and needles. Like the conditions they were being put through was just not human. Yeah, and that's why unions are so important for to protect these worker rights. And if you look, people have tried to establish unions in the Amazon workplaces, and it seems that Amazon isn't on the surface anti-union but it feels like they're 
biased against unions because we can look at what happened in the U.S. and Alabama with the all the marketing that they did around that, but to have a more of a global focus. Uh, I think I remember Professor Goldenblum, Gelderblom, I'm sorry, saying something that, that there are countries in Europe that where there are Amazon warehouses that don't have unions. There's nobody there to protect them. And that's why it's so important to protest because if people in, without unions don't have a voice, who is going to be their voice? I mean, it's almost remarkable that despite all these horrible things, like horrible pay, horrible working conditions, and the high likelihood of getting fired, that despite this, Amazon still gets the people that it needs. It just gets to recycle people over and over and over, despite all this horrible stuff that goes through it. Yeah, as Sarah was saying earlier, Amazon, um, they're you know, HR is set up in a way where it's very easy to get the job, right? The average amount of time a worker stays at Amazon is only one year. And um, Amazon has programs set in place that will actually decrease the wages the longer you stay at the company. It's like the opposite of what should be happening the more that you stay, the more you should be making. That's like how it is in most workplaces. But then we have Amazon, where the more you stay, the less you get paid. So it's like you have all the razzle dazzle of, ooh, I'm gonna join Amazon. I'm gonna, it's gonna be super fun. I'm gonna work hard. I'm gonna contribute to society. And then you get there, and it's like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? I'm making a lot and a lot of money, and it's setting it up so that you can get the most amount. Amazon can get the mo- the most amount of labor out of somebody for the most amount of profit without paying them for what they're worth. They're generating all this wealth for Amazon and they're not getting it back. They're, Amazon's literally stealing wealth from these employees. It's extremely exploitive. Amazon is set up in a way that the people on top will stay on top while letting others and towards the bottom recycle through, not treating them how they should be and not letting them move up tiers so that they can be like, provide a, um, a lifestyle off of this job. It's just meant for them to temporarily come in and then provide what they can. If they are in that top percent, maybe they'll move up, but it's rare. I think that it's really important to note that most work environments, that it's so common to be rewarded for the longer you stay and the more committed you are to a company. But for Amazon, it feels that it's the opposite effect. Now that we know why the workers are upset, let's talk more about the protests. So basically, the Make Amazon Pay movement is in 22 different countries, and there are currently 401 legislators that are backing it, including um, in the U.S., uh, U.S. Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. A lot of the protests happened on Black Fridays. There was one this year where and it received a lot of media uh, attention because, like I said, 22 different countries. There's a lot in the UK, some in Italy, Europe, Australia, North America, and a couple in a bunch of other places. And another uh, group that is also affiliated with, that's like against Amazon is the Extinction Rebellion, but that's actually completely separate than Make Amazon Pay. The Extinction Rebellion is more focused on climate change and Amazon's impact on that, while uh, Make Amazon Pay is more on workers' rights. So basically, Basically, the one on Black Friday, the protest, it was aiming for a work stoppage in, like I said, the 20 countries, including India, Italy, Germany, France, the Netherlands, and the U.S. Amazon's U.K. warehouses are not unionized, so workers there can't legally strike. And that's and through this, we learn it's important to have these unions to protect 
workers' rights. So but that's why we're not calling it a strike. We're calling it a protest because it's not because they don't have a union. Uh, a quote is the pandemic has exposed how Amazon places profits ahead of workers' society in our planet. Uh, that's what Make Amazon Pay said. And the quote continues, Amazon takes too much and gives back too little. It is time to make Amazon pay. Last year, there was also a massive protest, um, also during the holidays. However, um, it didn't gain nearly as much media attention. And that was because Make Amazon Pay was still gaining a lot more traction. Um, but this year, there was um, significantly more attention to this um, with you know, an estimated few hundred million people having you know seen these protests on TV you know, via broadcasts, news, whatever. When we interviewed Casper Gelderblom, he said that the reason that they protest, um, you know, on specific days is so that they can, um, you know, make the most of these people spread out, you know, across multiple different countries. They need to get as much attention as possible and doing it on one day, especially, you know, on a day that's, you know, normally extremely busy for these workers. Um, that's how they're able to garner the most attention through um, these protests. Yeah, it's like specifically Black Friday is one of like the busiest days for Amazon workers like so overwhelmed because everybody's ordering things online it's like they get super long shifts so much pressure to deliver it's just really stressful for them so it was a really important date for Amazon workers to protest on and it also made a really big impact because that production was then halted and so definitely made an impact yeah so also when we talked to Casper Gelderbaum he um, we asked um, like what impact this has had on Amazon and his response was that there actually wasn't much of an impact and that wasn't necessarily the goal of these protests the goal was to just um, you know bring awareness bring awareness right to focus attention of news and media on this um, you know on the problem of Amazon and to basically show people that there is a problem and they're not just you know buying all this stuff and getting it shipped to their house in two days without you know people overworking it's actually a problem and a lot more people have you know understood that now now that they They've seen these protests and have, have had the opportunity to be exposed to this problem. During our interview with Casper Gelderblom, we asked him what we could do to help the Make Amazon Pay movement. He responded by telling us this. Yeah, so first of all, go to makeamazonpay.com, subscribe to the mail list, um, donate if you can. It's not a must, but it, you know, every donation is more than welcome. Um, that's, a, that's, a, that's a major contribution. And just, uh, you know, keep following us and make sure that you're aware. I think we, sh- we all have the kind of let's say human imperative uh, to be aware of the true cost uh, of, of products that we buy and services that we make use of. Um, especially at a time in which we're nearing, you know, ecological collapse, I think it's fair to say. I think it's very important for all of us to be aware of what the impact of our choices is. If you don't like the disappearing of your local shops, I would say try and find an alternative. That's something you can do in addition to the things that you mentioned. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We would like to give a special thank you to our teachers and Casper Gelderblom, who provided an excellent interview. Once again, this is Getting Into Good Trouble, and we hope to see you next episode.